There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Welcome to No Mere Mortals Cover to Cover series. The Cover to Cover series is a chronological journey through the moments in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation centered on the main character of Jesus Christ. In 2020, the Lord directed the start of the Cover to Cover series that originally began as weekly installments for Sunday morning youth teachings at a local church. In 2023, the Cover to Cover series will move to being a podcast series and Lord willing will continue to be weekly installments. Father, we thank you for this time in your word. And Lord, as we, we come right now, we open up uh, your word. Will we also allow our hearts and minds to be open to you? God, will we experience you by your spirit through your word to know you and to be more like you? In your son's name, amen. Okay, guys, you can have a seat. Again, where we've been is we've been moving through scripture. Last week, Thank you guys for hanging in with me as we went from Genesis all the way up to where we are now. And so where we are is we are at this moment where the nation of Israel, which is a whole new generation that came out of Egypt, all those who were 19 and younger, and they have now come to the promised land. And as they're standing there, this is a new generation about to go into the promised land. And we had three tribes who say, we want to stay back. And God using that motivates Moses to just hit his knees and pray. And and God speaks to him and gives him words. And so where we are as you move into the book of Deuteronomy, it's it's a collection of Moses' last words. And you're going to get kind of like some people, they, they go back and forth on what it is. But I like to call it, it's four sermons and a funeral. And as you look at all five of these moments, is there's a core theme throughout all of Deuteronomy, and that's obedience. You're going to hear a word used over and over, and and it's the word listen. But it's not like just hear noise. It's actually, it it comes with almost within an imperative command where it's to listen and respond. The word that's used there, it's like to hearken. It's it's like when you would have a a herald who would basically be like, hey, the king's coming. It wasn't just like, oh, cool, good news. It's like, now get up, the king's coming. So as you hear this throughout Deuteronomy, this word listen, it is within it built to, to hear and respond. Now, again, guys, when you look at the, the book of Deuteronomy, funky, long Greek word, where did it come from? Is it's the second time that Moses is going to give the law. That when they're at Mount Sinai, he, he gave the law, but now he's about to go in. They're about to go into the land, and Moses goes, okay, before we go in, I want, I want to again reiterate what God had spoken to me. And though that's what happens in it, the Hebrew title for the book of Deuteronomy was the word Hadabrim. And it literally just means the words that they look at. These are the final words of Moses. Sorry, spoiler alert. By the time we get to the end of Deuteronomy, Moses dies. Yeah. But we kind of knew about that in Numbers because God said, hey, uh, you're about to die. So it shouldn't come as too much of a shock as then he dies. So then we also saw last week that something interesting about the book of Deuteronomy, because it's called the second law, the words, the four sermons. In a, and, and, and even when you're, if you're going through your own reading, again, For you guys, whoever, if you're going through your Bible, you're doing your daily reading, I encourage you to be doing that. You're going to get through Genesis. You're all excited. Exodus, whoa, stuff's going crazy. Plagues and seas are opening. You get to Leviticus. You're like, okay, 
I might be able to do this. You get to the book of Numbers. Okay, now we're just talking gibberish. What's going on? And if you guys have hung with us, you actually see that there's all kinds of cool stuff in the book of Numbers. It just happens to be bookend there. And then you're going to get to Deuteronomy and go, why do I feel like I've heard almost all of this? Well, because you have. It is Moses reiterating a lot of what we've already been looking through. But something so interesting as he stops before they go into the land is up until this moment in Scripture, no other book uses the word love more than the book of Deuteronomy. The verse we started with today, that Lynn's verse was intentional because it's, it's to, to even take us where we're going, that even though he's giving the law a second time, yeah, we, we've heard this, and he's applying it to the culture. Even though it's to, to get you to respond, to, to, to be ready to go in and what this plan is, that it is just, just covered and coated with because God loves you. Like we read here in chapter 4, or last week we looked in chapter 23, verse 5. Nevertheless, the Lord your God would not listen to Balaam. Something we've known a lot about. We spent a lot of time looking through this, that scenario. But the Lord your God turned the curse into a blessing for you. Because the Lord your God loves you. That curse that man brought into this world. is, is God would say, now the the ground is going to bring up thorns. And woman, there's going to be this relational structure. There's going to be this battle. And what happens is that on that cross, literally he puts the crown upon his head as if to say, I'm turning the curse into your blessing. I will take the curse on. I will take your curse and trade you for my glory. And the book of Deuteronomy broken up into these three sections. That is, in those five sermon, those five sermon most, it's three sections of what God did, and what is God is doing through their obedience prompted by love and what God will do for them in the future. A pastor by the name of Skip Isaac, he's out of Calvary Chapel, Albuquerque. And looking at the book of Deuteronomy, he said something so awesome as he's as, as looking at, as God is, is again, we can overlook things. It's, it's, oh, I've heard this before. And he's retelling the history of what God's done. And he says, the intention of Deuteronomy is for us, the reader, to convert past experience into present expression. And I want to say that again. That he wants us to take our past experiences with him and turn that into our present expression of what he's doing in us. Again, just something interesting to know that this book of Deuteronomy we're going to go through uh, is mentioned in the Old Testament and is going to refer to outside of the book in the Old Testament. 350 times the Old Testament is going to refer back to Deuteronomy. And in fact, the New Testament is going to refer to Deuteronomy 95 times. It is pointed back 444 times throughout all of the rest of Scripture. Just that's what we're going to. So as we come to this book, the reason I'm bringing all this up is you go, okay, we've heard some of these things, it seems, but it has a purpose and intent. Coded with love. In fact, guys, to know this, this is just something, again, if, if you guys didn't catch it last week, the book of Deuteronomy, something so overly looked so many times, is Jesus' favorite book to quote from. I mentioned that it's quoted in the New Testament. When you see just Jesus quoting in the New Testament, most of the time, he's quoting from the book of Deuteronomy. In fact, when Satan comes to tempt him in the desert, every temptation he meets with quoting Scripture, and every quote is from Deuteronomy 8. Every one of those. Now, I don't normally do this, but I honestly want to put out a challenge to you guys. Led by the Holy Spirit, you guys do you. But the book of Deuteronomy only has about, uh, it should be 34 chapters, if you guys look there. 
I think when I looked it up, that would mean if we read a chapter a day, I'm just telling you, by the time we as a group get through the book of Deuteronomy, you could have read the entire book on your own. So I just want to put that out to you guys. For the next 34 weeks, read a chapter a week. For the next, what did I say? 34 days, sorry. Next 34 days, a chapter a day. Chapter a day in the book of Deuteronomy. Just between you, I just want to put that out there and what that will do for you guys as you come on Sunday because we're going to move through because we have heard some of this stuff, but I just want to put that out there. So with that, guys, you should be looking there with me. Deuteronomy chapter 4. It says, Now, O Israel, listen. <laughs> it's kind of like I said where we... There we go. Now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments which I teach you to observe, that you may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord your God, your fathers, is giving you. Again, this word listen is, is that hearken. It, it demands a response. And James tells us, be doers of the word, not hearers only deceiving yourself. So as he's saying listen, it's a listen for when you go into the land. There, there's a purpose. It's, it's, it's a listen with the intent to respond with an action. And James in the New Testament say, don't just come on Sundays and listen to some old guy talk to you about what it says. Don't just come in and take what a pastor says and go, no, read it for yourselves, listen to it, but listen to follow, that this is something for you to connect with, for God to reveal himself to you through. Listen and respond. Don't just be hearers of the word, but doers also. Verse two, you shall not add to the word which I command you, nor take away from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. So you come to the second verse of this, and it says, okay, listen to the word, respond to the word, which by the way, and I know there are so many that struggle with this, the word of God is not a buffet. The word of God is not like, well, you know, I, I like that part. That really works for my worldview. And, oh, I, I like that part. Ooh, that part. Oh, that's a little dicey. Oh, that doesn't seem to make sense. And we're just going to toss that out. He says, no, by every word. Again, to make the point, as Jesus himself, when faced with temptation from Satan, who says, hey, you have these biological needs? Turn the stone to bread. Satisfy yourself. And what is his response? Man does not live by bread alone, quoting Deuteronomy, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So even as we're called to listen and obey, it's not to say, hey, listen and obey to the parts that are convenient and you like. It's listen, obey, respond to every word because every word. Scripture is God breathed. Verse 3, your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Peor. So the Lord your God has destroyed from among you all the men who followed Baal of Peor. But you who held fast to the Lord your God are alive today, every one of you. I love that language saying, hey, we know about this. Again, we've kind of been camped around this whole Baal of Peor incident. And yet he's saying, you guys remember that. And for those of you who are here, you saw what happened with the plague. You saw what happened with Phineas. You saw what happened with the Minyas. But you, you who are here today, you survived because you held fast to the word of the Lord. Hebrews chapter 10, 23 encourages, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Listen to every word and then hold on to it. 
He's saying, fix your eyes on it because there, there is a sea of trouble coming. There are things that are going to try and knock you back. And there is winds of doctrine coming. And he's saying, every word, hold on to it. And case in point, look at what happened at Baal and Peor. Those who separated themselves from the word, those who, who cherry-picked what they like, destruction came. But you, you found life, those who held fast. Verse 5, surely I have taught you statutes and judgments just as the Lord my God commanded me that you should act according to them in the land which you go to possess. Therefore, be careful to observe them. For this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, surely this great nation is wise and people understanding. God is telling them to go into this land of promise. He's told them, hey, I'm going to go before you. I'm going to be the one who fights for you. But then he also says this purpose to listen, obey, hold fast. It's so that when you get into the land, that when people see how you live your life, they go, there's something uniquely different. These people are loved by their God. And, they, and we see it in every part of their life. As Matthew tells us, so let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And that's what Moses is telling him. You're going to go into this land and there's going to be an enemy that God's going to rule, but there's going to be people who are going to look at you and say, I think I might want to be a part of that family. How, how, do, how do I get to know that God? Verse 7, For what great nation is there that, God, that has God so near to it, as the Lord our God is to us? For whatever reason, may, we may call upon him. Did you guys catch that? For whatever reason. I want you guys in this room to know, there is no issue in your life so big that God can't deal with it, and there is nothing in your life, nothing that God doesn't care about, that you would go, ah, oh, he doesn't care about this. He says, literally, when you get into that land and stuff's gonna get tough, know that you have a God who's near to you and you can literally go to him for whatever, whatever reason. Some things, these, these might seem trivial. My, my wife told me of this one time when I was first really uh, getting to be mentored by Pastor Jeff and was spending some time at their home and we would have these uh, days where he, he'd take me through scripture and uh, I wasn't, I had gone to do something and I had left for a bit because Jeff was selling his car. And some guy went on a ride with Jeff, and they went in there. It was like, okay, let's sign the deal. The guy's like, I like him. Just okay. And gets in the house. He can't find the pink slip. Can't find it. He's, okay, this guy wants to buy the car. And Jeff is going all over the place. He can't find it. He can't find it. Jeff's like, where is the pink slip? And then he stops for a moment. My wife said, it's one of the coolest things. She's like, it's one of those moments where you go, like, can we really go to God with it? And Jeff stops and goes, what am I doing? Stops and prays, God, you know where the pink slip is. Show me where it is. He says amen and goes, there it is. Runs upstairs. I had forgot it under this stack of stuff. Comes out. There it was. My wife goes, did that just happen? Wait, so you can like, God, where is this thing that I forgot? And God goes, oh, I, I care about that. Guys, whatever reason, there's nothing too big or too small in your life that God doesn't care about. Take anything to him. Now, there are some who, and you know, God bless them. They get, I know of this one pastor, he was new to the faith. And he literally, he, he had come to faith. He, had, he was leave, living like a vegan life. And then he, he found liberty in, in Christ and started eating like hoagies and these steak sandwiches. And he loved it. And he went, you know, I'm not really praying about this. And literally would pray to God, what am I supposed to have for lunch today? And I'm not saying like that you, you have to live like, okay, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. With it. But this guy went, you know what, for whatever reason. And he had a season of his life. He's like, I didn't eat a meal unless I Okay, God, what do you want me to eat? I was doing the vegan thing because I thought that was, and now I found liberty, and I was just eating, cramming meat down as much as I could because I was like, oh, thank God for liberty. I went, well, 
God, do you care about what meal I had? And God led him in that. I'm just here to tell you that he cares about pink slips. He cares about what we eat. He cares about what we watch. He cares about what we wear. He cares about our relationships. He cares about what we put in. He cares about those things. And if you have something you're struggling with, whatever reason you can take to him. Verse 8. And what great nation is there that has such statues and righteous judgments as are in all the laws which I set before you this day? Again, something that I think particularly us who grew up in church kind of miss. And again, we kind of looked at this when we looked at the, the, the biblical slavery versus what a lot of times we do is we take our view of the Western slave trade and we shove it on Scripture. When you go, clearly when you read Scripture, you go, why does your slavery sound and look so much different than what I think and what I've been told in history? And go, well, because they're not the same. And we'll take our view and we'll, we'll slam it onto this thing. Same thing happens with the law. We'll look at law and go, well, God, why did you write this? Why didn't you address this issue? And we compare it to our modern culture and our modern ways and go, well, why didn't God deal with this? And yet when you actually apply it to things like the code of Namu, the code of Hammurabi, is what you start to quickly see is going, in fact, by the way, you'll see some crossovers in there. Some even go, oh, well, so the Israelites and even this other code have some. And you go, yes, but when you start comparing to the ancient Middle Eastern codes of the day, the laws of the day, you start to realize something and go, wait a second, the nation of Israel is held to this much higher standard than these other codes. Again, as God says, I'm going, to, I'm going to make you distinct and unique. And here we are going, well, why didn't he address this? Why didn't God go, the issue of this and the point of this was to make it distinct. It's to pull it out from the people's group so that the people around go, oh, we were doing it here, but you guys take it to a whole other level. And that it is good for a nation to have laws, to have rules founded on the character of God. As was written, July 4th, 1776, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And then we're reminded in verse 9, with all those laws and that goodness based on God's character, yet. Only take heed, verse 9 there with me. Take heed to yourself and be diligent. Keep yourself, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. And teach them to your children and your grandchildren, especially concerning the day you stood before the Lord, your God in Horeb. When the Lord God said to me, gather the people to me, and I will let them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days of their and all their days they live on the earth, and that they may teach their children. Again, God cares about the next generation. Again, something so unique to this. The same one who will show up and tabernacle amongst us where people would dismiss children because they're worthless, and he says, don't do that. Let those kids come to me. That is, we've been looking through a culture that would use and abuse and sacrifice children for selfish gain. You have a God who says, I want them to know my love. Teach them these laws. Teach them this law that for the first time as they're hearing is soaked in the love of the Father. Verse 11, Then you came near and stood at the foot of the mountain, and the mountain burned with fire in the midst of heaven, with darkness and cloud and thick darkness. And the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of the words, but saw no form. You only heard a voice. So he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform, the Ten Commandments. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone. 
And the Lord God commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and judgment that you might observe them in the land which you cross over to possess. Take careful heed to yourself, for you saw no form when the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the midst of the fire. And again, if you guys missed that when we went through and we saw Mount Sinai, and sometimes this gets missed, that the mountain where Moses saw the burning bush has now become at that moment at Mount Sinai where there, the burning mountain. We just heard it here in Deuteronomy. The mountain was on fire. And that as the Lord spoke to Moses from the burning bush, the burning bush, now the burning mountain, and God is speaking to the congregation. God himself delivered to the people his decalogue, his character given in the imperative. And we're reminded that lest you act corruptly, corruptly and make for yourselves a carved image in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any animal that is on the earth, or the likeness of any winged bird that flies in the air, the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground, or the likeness of any fish that is in the water beneath the earth. And take heed lest you lift your eyes to heaven. And when you see the sun, the moon, and the stars, and all the hosts of heaven, you feel driven to worship them and serve them, which the Lord your God has given to all people, peoples under the whole heaven as a heritage. Again, God's character given in the imperative with the Decalogue. And here he's saying, guys, when, when you get in the very first one, don't be carving things. In it. Oh, what about a bull? No. What about a dung beetle? No. What about the sun? No. Don't worship those things that were created. Worship their creator. God's saying, I'm the one who, who put all of this there. And guys, again, if you guys have, have missed these things, when we looked at even Genesis, the sun, the moon, the stars, and all of that, and you find yourself going, okay, when we see God in, in his, his creation, and you find yourself, and say, oh, I made the stars also, and we looked at that, why? And he says, I gave them to you for signs and season. And here, all of these things that people would worship, instead of going, you worship the creation, instead of the one who goes, I gave those to you as a heritage. I put that great sun and moon and stars in the sky for you. For you to know me, for, for me to declare myself to you. Verse 20, but the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace, out of Egypt, to be his people and inheritance as you are this day. Ephesians chapter 2 reminds us, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Verse 10, usually people stop there, great, great two verses. Verse 10, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. If we're serious about our walk with God, God, I want you to use me to share your love with others. But we often time then when he, he allows us to, to be in the furnace, that one that he uses to craft and to mold. As the silversmith works the metal to clear out the imperfections so that his face shines in it. And so we go, well, this is uncomfortable. This is hard. And, and, and he says, I'm going to take you out of that. But he uses those things. He uses that furnace. He uses those difficult moments in your life. Those really, and it's not to say, again, I, I, we don't want to discount these things. Fire's hot. It hurts. And God's not dismissing that. What he's telling you is going, hey, when you're in these moments that feel like you're, the pressure's on, the heat's too much, and going, know that I will use that to craft and mold you into an instrument of love, one that reflects the Father who loves you that much. 
that nothing in your life that you go through is pointless or meaningless. That he goes, I can use that. He is the God who takes the trials and tribulations and the brokenness. Like, I can use that to reach, guess what? The people who are going through trials, tribulations, and feel broken. Now, this is just me. You guys know me by now. The image I also have in my head, can't get it out, is I will, he'll take you out of the iron furnace as I just see that first moment of Tony Stark pounding that metal. Boom! And right, that's that moment in the movie where you're like, oh man, he's got his wife beard on, he's got that watch and boom, he's slamming that metal and you're like, okay. And with the triflex flex there, drops that helmet and he's like, that is awesome! Is he saying, that's what I want to do. You will be the thing that when people look, they go, that is awesome! Is he will take that and fold and he uses that iron furnace to mold you and he's saying, you guys have come out of Egypt and all of the pain, all the suffering, it wasn't pointless. I have prepared you to go into this land. Listen, respond. You go in and there's an enemy that I'm going to go before you, but there's going to be people who look at your life and I want them to see how much I love my children. Verse 21, furthermore, the Lord was angry with me for your sakes and swore that I would not cross over the Jordan and that I would not enter the good land which the Lord your God is giving you as inheritance. But I must die in this land. I must not cross over the Jordan, but you shall cross over and possess that good land. Take heed to yourselves, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God which he made with you and make for yourselves a carved image in the form of anything which the Lord your God has forbidden you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Now, people hear, and we looked at this when we even went through the Ten Commandments, and people will hear that phrase, God is a jealous God. And we think of this as, as a negative. And the truth is, we're humans. We mess things up. Our jealousy, not a good jealousy. But there are forms of it that you could go, okay, again, remember, God is speaking to humans. God is not a created being. He is the creator. And in that infinite wisdom, he's going to communicate himself and his will to create it. Again, maybe not the greatest analogy, but if you guys have watched Zootopia, any former Disney, there's that thing called anthropomorphic where you take an animal, you put a tie on him, and you go, oh, I relate to Fox Guy now. He's got a tie on. Is that there's this thing of communicating a, a human attribute through this anthropomorphic, and God takes scripture, and he's going to use anthropomorphic language. Okay, how do I describe to you, human, what this is like? And he, he throws the word down, jealousy. Jealousy. Well, what are we talking about by jealousy? This is the kind of jealousy. It would be like the once living Epstein going, hey, I like your son and daughter. Can I have them come spend the weekend with me? And as a good parent, you go, no. In fact, take another step and you'll be hearing the click, click, boom. That is that jealousy. No, I'm not sharing my kids with you. No, I'm not giving them over to you. There's this video I've seen online, and I love it. I got to tell you, as a dad, I've watched it a couple of times. I, I love it. This, I don't know what this kid was thinking. He's going around as people are walking. He's got his little mic and go, hey, uh, how much would it be so I could date your daughter? Hey, how, mu how much could I give you to date my daughter? And he walks by this one guy. Guys, I love this moment. He, how much could I? And he gets like half it out, and the dad grabs him by the throat. You really going to finish that sentence? And I was like, yes. There's a dad. You think you could, you want to try and set some piddly little value on my daughter. Who do you think you are? There is nothing you could pay 
There's no price you can put on my daughter. There's no price you could put on that. A guy comes up to another guy. Hey, your wife's really cool. How much to share her with you? That's the jealousy he's talking about. Share my wife. Will it give me strength? Someone's about to lose some teeth. Share my daughter for, for how, how much, what stupid price do you think you can put on the value of my daughter? You want me to share my children with you, a culture that would use, abuse, and then burn them. Okay, how do I tell you guys how much I don't want that? I'm not okay. I'm a jealous God. I am a consuming fire. And when they step up to say how much you're worth, I'll point to the cross and I'll grab that enemy by the throat and say, there is no price that you can put on that's any greater than what I put on the cross. You will not belittle my children. You will not devalue my children. And I am not sharing them with you. I am not sharing my bride. I am not sharing my children. And how do we understand his heart? That's the jealousy he's talking about. Speaking of children, verse 25, when you beget children and grandchildren and have grown old in the land and act corruptly and make a carved image in the form of anything and do evil in the sight of the Lord your God and provoke him to anger. I don't know if you guys caught what just happened. You might have missed it. So I'll just, there's a shift that just happened in 25. Listen, hear, respond. He's given you his character. When you get into the land, so let your light shine that the people know I love them. Don't make idols. Hey, when you get into the land and you make the idols, because I know you're going, that's what just happened in 25. Don't go there. Don't share yourself with people that will use you, abuse you, and burn you. And he says, you're going to get in the land and you're going to do it. Let's keep going. I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that you will soon utterly perish from the land which you cross over the Jordan to possess. You will not prolong your days in it, but will be utterly destroyed. And the Lord will scatter you among the peoples. And you will be left in few numbers among the nations where the Lord will drive you. And there you will serve gods. The work of men's hands, wood and stone, which neither see, nor hear, nor eat, nor smell. You're going to get into that land. And though I've brokenly revealed my heart to you, I've put it out on the foot, you're going to, knowing how much I love you, know how much I want to do for you, and you're going to go in there and you're going to do it anyway. You're going to do it anyway. You're going to give yourself to their gods. Their gods. And you're going to worship these handcrafted in images. Gods who, they don't care for you. They can't see. They don't hear you. The God who sees, hears, and cares is saying, don't, don't trade but you're going to, you're going to trade my promises for, for counterfeit. And Moses does something so interesting here in that 25 is this is where we see some, some shift where he's just talking about what God has told him to now he is talking about what God, what's going to happen. He goes into a prophetic mode. He becomes a prophet. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15, Moses would say, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst. From your brethren you shall hear. So as we're reading here, this prophetic moment, later in Deuteronomy, we're going to hear Moses says, hey, in the way that God has given me a prophetic message from you, he is going to raise up one like me, a prophet. This is so understood by the religious leaders of Jesus' day that they understood that what Moses is talking about is the Messiah, the one who will come to set things right, 
So much so that when John the Baptist is calling people to repentance, what did they ask him? Hey, are you the prophet? They're speaking of the prophet that Moses spoke of that would come. The prophet who says words like this, after telling the people, you're going to reject my word, you're going to bring punishment on yourself. And then he says in verse 29, but from there, from this place of disobedient brokenness, of trading counterfeit, from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. A God who's sitting there going, I love you, don't do this. You're going to break my heart in it. You're going to do it. And then what does he say? Forget you, bunch of dummies. I'm done with you guys. Nope. And when you find yourself broken, when you trade my promise for the counterfeit, and it leaves you used, abused, and burned in that low place, you can find me. If you seek me and seek me with all your heart, all your soul, you'll find me. When you are in distress and all these things come upon you in the later days, when you turn to the Lord your God and obey his voice, for the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not forsake you nor destroy you, nor forget the covenant of your fathers which he swore to them. Wait a second. Are you a jealous God in a consuming fire? Or are you a God of mercy? Yes. As we're told in the book of Romans, for the wages of sin is death. The cost of sin is death. But one of the greatest words in all of scripture but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I am a just God. And I solve the problem of evil on the cross. Verse 32, For ask now concerning the days that are past, which were before you since the day that God created man on the earth, and ask from one end of heaven to the other, whether any great thing like this has happened or anything like it been heard. Again, we went from Genesis to number kind of covering this. And Moses is going, guys, from the beginning of time till now, has anything like this ever happened? Have we ever heard what God has done for us? And again, truth is not afraid to be inspected. He goes, ask from one of heaven to the other. Find out, has anything as awesome as what our God has promised us and done for us, has it ever happened? Verse 33, did any people ever hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of fire? as you have, and lived? Guys, over there, the mountain was on fire. God was speaking, and it wasn't Raiders of the Lost Ark. Our faces didn't melt. We're still here. Has anything like this ever happened? Or did God ever try to go and take for himself a nation from the midst of another nation? By trials, by signs, by wonders, by war, by a mighty hand, and an outstretched arm. And by great terrors, according to all that the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes. To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord himself is God. There is none beside him. You rebellious spirits, you want to take my titles? You want to call yourself gods? You'll share the fate of those rebellious against me. Because there's only one capital G. There's only one God. And his name is Yahweh. Yeshua, the God who saves. And all of this that he's telling us, Paul will let us know in Romans chapter 15, verse 4. 
For whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So as we go into this second telling of the law, as God is giving his character in the imperative once again and reminding us of what he has done for the nation of Israel, he said, I wrote all of that so for those of us who are sitting in this room could hear what happened to them and have hope. Verse 36, as heaven speaks, out of heaven he let you hear his voice that he might instruct you on earth. He showed his great fire and you heard his words out of the midst of the fire. And because he loved your fathers, therefore he chose the descendants after them. And he brought you out of Egypt with his presence, with his mighty power, driving out from before you nations greater and mightier than you to bring you in, to give you their lands as an inheritance as it is this day. That in this moment, to know that what you heard and you hear now by the words of God is God from heaven speaking to you. Therefore, know this day and consider it in your heart that the Lord himself is God in heaven above and on earth below. There is no other. You shall therefore keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today that it might go well with you and with your children after you. Oh, man, that Bible's such a bummer. I can't do anything. You're right. You can't fall into depression. You can't fall in yourself into bondage of alcohol or drugs. You can't destroy families with promiscuous sex. There's a lot you can't do when you follow God's law. And yet he says, why did I give this to you? I gave it to you so that you could live, have a life abundant to know God And know that when we obey his commands, it's to know his heart. The heart that says he loves you and gave himself for you. That it may go well with you and with your children after you. That you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord your God is giving you for all time. So guys, as we close this morning, listen throughout the book of Deuteronomy to the message of love. Hear it, see it, hold on to it, and then live in that love. As Jesus would say, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. To know that this life that we're called to walk is not one out of guilt, but gratitude. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time in your word today. We thank you for who you are and who you have called us to be. Lord, I pray if there's anyone in this room right now who's, who's going through a trial where they feel like they're in the fire, Father, if they would turn to you knowing that you have an amazing promise for your children, that you remove us from that iron furnace as a tool of love to comfort those who need comforting, to value those that the world says has no value, and to protect those who are defenseless. And in doing so, we are more like you. Fill us with your spirit. Make us more like you. In your son's name, amen. The Cover to Cover series is part of No Mere Mortal. The No Mere Mortal ethos derives from the biblically grounded and inspired work of C.S. Lewis in The Weight of Glory. You can find more No Mere Mortal content, including the Cover to Cover series, on our website at nomeremortal.org. Follow us on Twitter, Truth, Facebook, YouTube, Rumble, and most major podcasting services. Subscribe, follow, like, comment, leave a review, and share. The music you've heard has been provided by Sicko. That's C-I-K-K-0. And you can find him at YouTube at SickosBeatSuck797. My name is Bryce, and you are no mere mortal.